Welcome to BIPOC Rising, a space to challenge, learn, transform, and thrive as individuals in the collective BIPOC community. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Vivit, a transformative coach, consultant, and speaker with a background as a doctor of physical therapy and a community health researcher. I thrive on supporting individuals through their journeys and creating meaningful lives, experiencing transformation, and recognizing the humanness in all of our experiences. Now, let's dive into today's episode. All right, we are so excited to have Taylor Avery today on the show. Taylor is a MBA and is she is Los Angeles born, Mississippi raised. She serves as a speaker, business and life coach as well as a financial literacy advocate. While continuing to work full-time as a federal agent in Los Angeles, she also teaches others how to become financially literate and coaches new or aspiring business owners. She is the owner of Floyd Mayweather's Mayweather Boxing and Fitness Studio in Torrance, California, along with doing real estate part-time. Furthermore, she has been able to teach over 100 people financial literacy and change their relationship with money as the founder and CEO of nonprofit financial literacy for people of color. Taylor, we're so excited to have you on the show today. (laughs) Before we get going with anything else, I would love to just hear a little bit more from you and have you introduce yourself. Thank you. Well, I mean, you pretty much said it all. (laughs) Um, But thank you again for having me um, on the show or on your podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you again. Uh, My name is Taylor. I also go by the nine to five entrepreneur as a business coach and uh, still working full time and teaching other people how to work full time and run their businesses and their side hustles, whatever their hearts desire. Again, I, I am the owner of Mayweather Boxing and I am into real estate. I'm flipping two houses currently in Mississippi, where I'm originally from. And I also have two going on three Airbnbs here in the Los Angeles area. So Yeah, that is incredible. We are so excited to hear more about what you're up to. So my first question, why, in your opinion, why is building generational wealth important, especially within the BIPOC community? Yeah, that's a great question. So I definitely think that in the BIPOC community, we tend to not take our finances seriously and not even, let me not even say not taking it seriously. It depends on like our background, right? Whether it be um, in the Black community or the Asian community or, you know, the Hispanic community, our upbringings, I think that the access to education that we have now that our parents and our grandparents didn't have coming up is really an advantage for us. Um, And it's key to us being able to set up our families for their futures. Um, I know for me personally, you know, I teach my mom (laughs) financial literacy and, you know, I'm teaching her how to leverage her retirement to make sure that it's in some kind of good shape for when she gets ready to start working if I'm not able to retire her sooner. Um, But yeah, it's definitely important just for our families. Um, And it's not just about money. When you hear generational wealth, I think a lot of people think money, but it's not necessarily even about the money. It's also about the knowledge um, and the physical assets that we can give to the generations that's coming 
after us. You made such an excellent point there with, it's not just about the money. You know, when we think of generational wealth, there's a whole cloud of knowledge that comes with it too. And when thinking of generational wealth, there's so many different ways you can go about it, which is why I'm so excited to have you on the show today to share a little bit more about what you've been up to there and how you educate others as well. So yes, yes. I see that you are the owner of nonprofit financial literacy for people of color. That is so amazing. It speaks to my um, previous question. I would love to hear more about it. I decided to start my nonprofit and this is more into my personal story. So when about five or six years ago, I moved to California, back to California from Mississippi to start my career as a federal agent uh, with the Secret Service. And so about five months, so I do have family here. My dad's here. My grandfather's here. I have all kinds of family here. Uh, So about five months after I moved to the big city, my grandfather was killed. He was hit by a hit and run driver while he was walking to church. And it just left us devastated. It's a very traumatic loss for us. But in the midst of that, he left my sister and I three properties. Now, anybody hearing that is like, wow, that's amazing. But it was a total headache. And this is what, when I started to really learn about the importance of like having things set up, how important it is to have a will in place and have a trust in place. And I don't want to throw out a bunch of terms that, you know, people may not know about. And that's why I have the nonprofit, because I talk about these things in a way that is easy for any and everybody to understand. I want people to understand the very basics of their finances, the very basics of, you know, home ownership, if they want that, how to set themselves up for that generational wealth, right? And just owning one house, if that's what you want to do. Just to close off that story, my grandfather left us these three properties. All three of them had mortgages on them. All three of them had tenants in them that weren't really paying enough. Luckily for us, he did have the properties in a trust, which means that we did not have to go to court. So when you have a property and a trust, that means that the house is essentially protected, protected from outside people trying to come in and take it. It's protecting the family from having to go to court and fight for the properties that are rightfully theirs. It's really a good tool to have in place if you do own a home. So these are some things that I was learning that I thought I was grown. I thought I knew it all, (laughs) but this really taught me, you know, some very basic information or very important. I wouldn't call it basic, very important information um, regarding setting your family up for success. And so that is one of the core reasons to why I started FLPLC so that I could teach other people to set them, set their families up for success. That's amazing. You know, when I hear words like trust or estate, you know, those words, I used to think like, man, that's not for me. You know, I don't even know what the heck that means. And like when people throw those terms around, I'm like, man, it's just for rich people, you know, but right. The money is, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the money is here for us too. And we have money to make as well and Mm -hmm. money to make in a better and smarter way. You know, it's just a matter of having that openness to learning and seeing the need for learning too. Because like I said, you know, the money's there for us too. And when we hear those terms, we should also think for ourselves 
in our families, in our future generations as well. So I love that you are putting in the work in this nonprofit that you have because it's sharing such good information with others, but also, you know, back to the experience that you were sharing and overall just what led you to investigating further in that area, but also sharing that with others is so powerful. So powerful. Yes. Thank you. Started creating like a curriculum for different age groups because I know that everybody doesn't learn on the same pace, of course. And there are certain levels of things that I could teach a high schooler versus a college student. So I, I created a curriculum and I'm currently working with LAUSD to bring my curriculum into their school, which is kind of one of the things I wanted to do. Originally, it started out as a community thing, and I was just pushing it on Instagram and doing workshops with the community. But now I'm kind of leaning into more of getting into schools, doing more pop-ups in underprivileged areas, which is one of my focal points with this, and really targeting those people. So uh, that's kind of where we're headed with the nonprofit this year, and I'm looking forward to really getting that off the ground even more. Yeah, that's incredible. And for those of you who are listening and who are wondering what LAUSD is, LAUSD is LA Unified School District. So that's incredible work that Taylor is up to within the school system because financial literacy should start at the school age, you know, is one of those things where if we start earlier, we're able to not only foster education that is extremely meaningful for practical tasks and growth, but also you're giving kids the tools at such a young age to think a little bit differently, as well as even share with their families too. You know, that's such a wealth of information that kids can learn at school to also share with their families about finances. You know, I think everyone could use the financial literacy education. So that's awesome what you're doing with LAUSD. That's so wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> like the the age group that you work with now, what, what what age group are you working with now for your nonprofit? Um, So these are middle schoolers right now and also possibly going into the high school. But right now we're starting with the middle schoolers. So really, we like to teach just basic information because they're not working, but they may get, you know, they're not at the working age, but they will be transitioning. So we're teaching them kind of to think ahead of what they're, what they would possibly be doing once they get to high school, you know, they'll probably work at maybe like a fast food place. So what are you going to do with your money? You know, when you get your, you know, $150 check from McDonald's or whatever much it might be. And for a high school, it might seem like a lot of money, you know, rather than buying a pair of shoes, maybe you invest in, you know, what are you passionate about? Maybe you like clothing and you want to start your own t-shirt line or whatever, just teaching them like not even just the financial literacy, even though it ties in, but also teaching them that, giving them that entrepreneurial spirit very early on and just challenging their minds to think in that way when it comes to money and just helping them to, at a younger age, to build a good relationship with money. Because I think that's a, a big issue in our community is having such a bad relationship with money, maybe like, you know, living check to check. And feeling like, you know, working two or three jobs when really it's 
is not is <laughs> no better than just working one job and figuring it out with that income it just seems like a rat hole or a rabbit hole so just teaching them strategies to be able to live a good life of course without being stressed out and having such a poor relationship spending habits and relationship with money is definitely psychological and we do have a psychology piece within our curriculum where we talk more about the mental state uh, the mental processing of you know money habits uh, within our community it's super important yes super important you know that money mindset and the psychological piece is such a mm-hmm. huge huge part of financial literacy and overall the big picture And, you know, another thing that you touched on that I find really interesting is the fact that not only does your nonprofit seek to educate others about finances, but also fostering creativity, you know, that's such Mm -hmm. an amazing piece because when we think of education and the school system, there needs to be, in my opinion, I feel like there definitely needs to be more emphasis on the fact that your creativity belongs. Not only does your creativity belong, but it will belong when you go, when you step into a career or when you are able to use your creativity into a business idea. You know, I think a lot of the times when we're being educated and when we're put in, you know, in a curriculum, sometimes we feel like, okay, when I graduate from high school or when I finish eighth grade, this is where I fit. This is where I think that I, you know, I can mold to in that environment. And so when Mm -hmm. we talk about entrepreneurship and creativity Mm -hmm. and we make kids feel like their creativity belongs at such a young age, but also can belong in other spaces that they create for themselves to not only financially flourish, but also engage in meaningful work. That is huge. That is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I knew, like, I don't want to say I wish I knew because I, I don't regret anything, but it's just the things that I know can be taught and to like really open up the minds at a young age is just mind boggling to me, which is why I try to push to get this curriculum into schools because they just don't teach you that in school. They just don't. I I mean, unless you go to like a magnet school that is, you know, specific to that, the basic school system is not teaching us about finances or student loans or anything like that, you know, really impact you from a life perspective. And we walk away from school feeling like I can't do anything in my life with what I just learned all these years in school. How is, you know... (laughs) How is math going to help me, you know, do my career as a athletic director or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be? Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that basic knowledge is, is important at a young age. Just like you said, just allowing people to know that there's a whole nother world <laughs> of, of things and ideas out there um, outside of that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love how empowering you are of, Um, creativity at such a young age and being able to make people feel like their creativity belongs in a space that can actually generate wealth and generate, you know, cash flow. So that's, that's incredible. So thank you. Yes. Yes. So speaking (laughs) of financial literacy, I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that language and mindset around money. Can you talk more about this and why language and mindset plays such an, such an important role 
in our relationship with money? You know, the mindset around money is kind of weird. I think that we spend money on things that don't really matter. But when it comes to taking a risk into something that could change your life, potentially, that's when we get scared. And so it really starts in the mind, anything, not even just about the finances, any type of uh, success that you or that you want to accomplish in your life, any type of goal that you want to meet, it's going to start with your mind. And so really getting people to understand that you can do this and not not so much focusing on the what if what if it fails? What if I spend the last five thousand dollars that I have into you know, this investment and it doesn't work. It's about that perspective. Instead of asking what if it doesn't work, you should ask yourself what if it does? And what if it and if it does work, how is that going to change your life? So it's really and it and it really goes back to just it's a confidence piece. You have to be confident that the decisions that you are making around your money is decisions that is going to be uh, beneficial to you. So if you have to choose between buying the new pair of Jordans or purchasing a home, like, I mean, I know that's a big, <laughs> that's a whole big difference. <laughs> I mean, you know, $150, you know, uh, $50,000. I mean, come on now. That's not like, that's not a good example, but um, <laughs> uh, let me, let me choose another one. Buying a pair of Jordans, spending $150 on a pair of Jordans or $150 on, you know, startup cost for a t-shirt line mm-hmm. or, you know, something simple like that. Just starting that entrepreneurial journey, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's just making those decisions about the future. And another thing is, uh, that helps with that mindset. And that could also go, it, it all ties together. Um, with the decisions that you make regarding your life, regarding your finances, regarding your future, regarding your family. It's also about who you put yourself around. Yes, I totally Circle is important. Yeah, Mm -hmm. your circle is important. So if you're around your friends that all they want to do is hang out and buy clothes and, you know, whatever, not doing anything to elevate, then you, you will fall into that trap. So you know, getting around people that are talking about money, that are talking about what they're, you know, what they want to do in the future and giving you those endorphins that that go off. And that's super important too. And that will contribute to the mindset, which ultimately will contribute to your decision-making. You will find yourself trying to educate yourself more and seeing what decisions you can make, what, what investments you can make that can uh, yield you a reward in the end. So, um, so yeah, super, super important when it comes to the finances. It's not even, so my answer is not even about finances. It's about your surroundings and, um, you know, the confidence factor. Yes, I totally, I totally agree. I'm right there with you on your circle. You know, that plays such mm-hmm. a huge role. Shout out to my circle and my partner. <laughs> I love y'all so much because- yes. The empowering of each other through talking about ideas and talking Mm -hmm. about, hey, what are you up to here? Like, you know, being Mm -hmm. upfront with the issues that we have and learning how to problem solve, not only with each other, but also within ourselves and just hearing each other, you know, chat about different ideas and different, you know, trial and error journeys that we've had, like is so Mm -hmm. key. You know, I love talking to my inner circle and my partner about these things because who you surround yourself with and who supports you Mm -hmm. is ultimately going to be 
who is inspiring you and who is making you feel like, yeah, I can do this, you know, not only within ourselves, but also when we have the support of others, it's huge. Right. So huge. Or maybe even making you feel like you need to level up. Mm -hmm. That too. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That's another thing too. Doing her thing. I need to get my life together. (laughs) Yes. We are so, so powerful when it comes to impact on each other. And when we see our girlfriend or our partner doing something that is extremely inspiring and like, wow, you know, like Mm -hmm. I need to level up too in a good way, you know, not in a way that we're comparing ourselves to anyone because within our inner circle and with our partner, we just want everything and more for them. And we just want success and love and abundance for everyone within our inner circle. So it's not even about means of comparison. It's like, yes, you go do your thing and I'm going to do my thing too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can, then we can figure out how to bring it back together. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So my next question, when it comes to basic finance knowledge to live a comfortable life and plan for retirement, what are your thoughts on this? It's never too late to start somewhere. It doesn't matter if you've already been working 10 years and you haven't thought about it and you feel like it's too late to start thinking about retirement. It's not, it's not ever too late to do something about your situation. So a one thing I always like to do, and I do this in my workshops, is I ask my students how much, if you could pick any number that you need to make a certain amount a month, if I was going to send you a free check every month for you to live comfortably, not above, not below your means, but just comfortably to pay your bills, to, you know, get to and from wherever you need to go, what would that number be? And usually I get anywhere from five to $6,000, which, you know, that's, that's about my number anywhere from anywhere from five to six, maybe seven, you know, you could live comfortably with that amount. So if you take that number, 5,000 a month, and then you multiply that by 12, retirement age is about, I would just say maybe 60, 55, 60. And then your life expectancy after that, we would just, you know, multiply that by whatever number of years is left, which is like 15, 16, 15 to 20 years, maybe extra. That usually will bring anywhere from like one to 2 million. So that's a lot of money, <laughs> kind of, but not really. So if you need to have, you know, a million dollars or more saved up by the time you retire, we better get to work. So the sooner we know this, the sooner we take that seriously, when we start to work, and we work five or 10 years and we haven't opened up a 401k if your job, assuming that your job doesn't offer that. And that doesn't mean that you're going to put a million dollars in there. It just means once you get your money into a, an account, a retirement account, your contribution will multiply. So, you know, you may put in, you know, a thousand dollars and they may match that thousand dollars by 5% or whatever. So that's how the money grows, depending on what kind of retirement account that you get. So that doesn't mean that you're going to be putting a million dollars. You may only contribute, you know, half of that over the 20, 30 years that you're working before you retire. So I think it's super important to do those numbers. And it really is a reality check for a lot of my students that like, wow, 
I'm, I've been tripping. <laughs> and so <laughs> I would just like to encourage anybody that's listening to this, especially uh, any young people that are listening to this that maybe haven't started their career or just in the beginning of their career to if your job does not offer you a 401k or a retirement account that you find a financial advisor and it will not cost you anything. You can find a financial advisor that will get you set up at no cost to you out of pocket except for to fund your actual retirement account. I would highly suggest anybody that's never worked with a financial planner before to shop around, talk to at least three people, even if you have no idea what you're looking for or no idea what you're talking to them to find out, just let them know that you're trying to get a little bit more education. You want to make sure that you're set up properly for the future. You want to look into retirement options, maybe even life insurance options, and just see who you mesh with the most. You, Even if you don't aren't sure of the information that they're giving, you will be able to um, tell right off the bat if they are trying to just sell you a product or if they actually care about you being set up properly for the future. So don't just go to one person just because I recommended it or because someone you trust recommended it. Definitely still shop around and make sure that you find somebody that you know has your best interests. Yeah, absolutely. With anything, it's so important to shop around. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear more about, you know, your life as a business franchise owner and real estate investor, along with working a nine to five, you know, that sounds like so much. And, you know, I'm right there with you with working a nine to five. I see it as Mm -hmm. my angel investor for my other business ideas that I'm doing things that I'm, you know, currently in the making and planning for. How do you do it? (laughs) Like, what are your thoughts on having multiple streams of income (laughs) and staying sane? Yeah. Well, here's my my take on it. Um, I think that I do it because I don't. Um, there's no such thing as balance. I balance the imbalances. Let's put it like that. Um, some days I'm spending more time at the gym, working on the gym. Some days I'm spending more time working on the real estate. Sometimes I'm spending more time working on a work project. Um, So the key to me being able to do that is just having the proper people in place um, and not trying to do it all by myself. So when you start to expand and you start to have multiple streams of income, um, at some point, you're going to have to ask for help. And so don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, You should know the people in your circle who you can trust, who you can depend on, to be able to kind of help you and push you forward um, and support you in those endeavors. So that's how I get through it. Um, You know, I have my partner who is super supportive and has helped me a lot uh, when it comes to the gym. Uh, And then with the real estate, I have a project manager. That's how I'm able to flip houses out of state. Um, I have a project manager. I have a good realtor. Um, I have good contractors. So I've spent time down there physically vetting them out. So now that I have them in place, I can come back home and and trust that they're going to do their job. But I also have to do a lot of check-ins, right? So um, a lot of calls, a lot of texts, a lot of emails. um, And that's just kind of how I stay afloat. And then I do my job at work. (laughs) Wow. So when do you sleep? <laughs> I know. It, it, I know it seems like a lot, but I really do value my sleep. 
and sometimes I don't get a lot of sleep and I don't expect a cookie for, you know, getting three hours of sleep. It's not healthy. Um, so I definitely do my best to get anywhere from six to eight hours of sleep. Um, and I also schedule out my day. I have to be organized because if I try to do 30 things in a day, I would never sleep. But I have to choose when I'm going to focus on what. And with that comes me being um, organized. So I plan out my days. I have a working to-do list. I have, and even on my to-do list, and I got this from a book that I read, I have like a master list, a monthly to-do list, a weekly to-do list, a daily to-do list. So it's kind of broken down by priority. So I have a, a, a big master list of things that I'm always working from. And I pick the most important ones and I kind of narrow it down to what I want to accomplish in that month um, and then kind of move forward from there. So, but I definitely get my sleep. <laughs> yes, that that's, that is something that is so important. I can definitely identify with that. Being someone who also works and sees patients full time, but also has a lot of other things that I'm juggling outside of that business wise. Mm-hmm. Time management is so important, so important. Yes. And the self acceptance of the fact that like, things are going to look different week to week with, you know, with your schedule and right. the amount of sleep that you're getting, but that's part of the journey. And, you know, accepting the fact that this journey is not something that everyone does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, there's things that you kind of have to give and take, but also, you know, stuff like you were saying, you know, having a supportive partner and having a good support system is so key in being able to get yourself through all that, but also continue to feel meaning in what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, it's yeah. so important. So that is amazing. So yeah. in terms of your top three takeaways regarding building generational wealth and money mindset, what are your top three takeaways? Top three takeaways. Number one would be take risks. A lot of us are afraid to take risks with our money, but there's a reward at the end of that risk. And if you do it smart, you educate yourself, the risk will be worth it. And you won't even blink when you go ahead and and invest your money into something that's going to benefit your future. So number one would be take risks. Number two would be don't do it alone. Get a coach or a mentor, financial planner, find someone who you can trust and who you can touch base with often to discuss money moves, to discuss where you should be investing your money, what you could do new, what you could do differently. Always have somebody that's smarter than you in that field, whatever it is that you're trying to do that you can consult with. And then number three would have to be, be patient. Investments rarely are going to yield you the reward overnight. So when you risk, you know, a certain amount of money. And I, I I know I'm specifically talking about, it seems like all three of mine comes from like investing and like taking that risk. But I, I know that that's going to be key into you building your, your wealth. Savings is great, but if you can invest at the same time that you're saving, <laughs> that's the key to it. But yeah, so, so be patient with your investments when you're investing into your future, whether it be purchasing a house or uh, putting money into your Roth IRA and maxing out, you know, as much as you can invest in that. Be patient with it. 
It's not something you need to go and look at and watch like a hawk every single day. And just know that with you having that risk takers mindset, you having a coach and someone that you can consult with and pair with your patients that is it's going to work out. Yeah, I love those takeaways, especially the one about time, you know, like I feel mm-hmm. like when we put money into an investment or it's just something, you know, we put our money into it's like, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hope it works. Right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I find myself too checking my investment accounts and stuff pretty frequently because I'm like, hey, I wonder how it's doing. Right. But <laughs> yeah, like we're all guilty of it. But it's one of those things where, you know, time, time is something that's so important to trust. And, I love the takeaway too about coaches, you know, as a coach myself and, you know, you being a coach, like coaches have coaches, we have coaches too. And we would not be where we are with our ideas and our confidence and being able Mm -hmm. to navigate things in a very strategic, but also heart-centered way. That is something that's so huge in that coaching client relationship and something that I've been getting a lot from my coaching too. So this is not just right. a plug for our coaching <laughs> right? for Taylor and I, but also this is something to be fully transparent with the fact that like coaches have coaches too, and we need that mentorship and support as well. And so yes. when people think of the money investment that they spend in coaches, you know, I get that, you know, we're on that side too, and we do it as well, you know? So even though that upfront it may yeah. be quite a bit and you're thinking like, oh gosh, this is a lot of money that I'm throwing or this is a lot of money that I'm spending at once. Like it is worth it mm-hmm. and it will be worth it. And as a coach who also has coaches and just like Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, both of us can see the benefit in that. It is so important and so self-giving and self-deserving to know that you're worth the investment and this is an investment in you. So, right. And even if it's not worth it, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. I have invested so much money into myself, into my education, into coaches. I have had some that were great and some that were not, but I also still learned something in that. And I've never been, you know, made an investment that I wasn't okay with, okay with losing. And like, I think I had one, one investment in, in a coaching training program that I was kind of disappointed about, but I still learned things. I learned things that I could take with me. And I also learned how to vet, how to spend more time vetting the coach that I want to spend my money with. Not too much time now, but (laughs) you don't want to spend a year trying to decide if you want to work with a person. But I would say, you know, especially with the social media age, if you're looking for the right coach, and somebody to kind of guide you along the way and you're contemplating whether or not you want to invest in their program, you know, or their coaching, I would say take anywhere from 30 to 90 days to evaluate if that's what you need, if it's what you need. Sometimes you don't need that and you vibe with them right away, which is okay. If you're not able to like get on the phone with them right away or, you know, it's just a program or whatever, I would say no more than, no more than maybe 30 days. So just watch, hear the things that they're talking about does it resonate with you? Take a look at their program, get on the phone with them if you can. And, you know, take that time to really see if that, if that's a good pair in the same way I said about a financial planner, maybe you have two or three that you're considering and consider them all and see, you know, what is the service that they're providing, what you're looking for? Are you looking for some one-on-one or are you looking for just a program that you can self-pace because you're too busy? It's whatever works for you. 
um, and make sure that what they offer is going to resonate with you. Yes. And what you said about social media, because social media is so widespread now, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a social media account. Taylor has one. But don't just go by the social media. You are connecting with in a coaching relationship. You are connecting with a person and there is a person behind that social media account that maybe you vibe with their social media, but you might not connect with them and vibe with them on a personal level. And that's okay. You know, that's part Mm -hmm. of the process of, you know, like what Taylor was saying is just figuring out what it is that you need. And part of that is get on a call with the person that you're looking at, whether it's their social media, you're watching their TikTok, like get on a call with them before you find out, is this someone that I want to work with? Or do we vibe, you know, with each other? Do our ideas align? Do we resonate? Like, do I resonate with them as a person? But also, you know, do I see myself forming a connection with this person? Because it's not the social media that you're forming a relationship with. It's the person behind the social media. So (laughs) yep, and what they have to offer, offer. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Taylor, we loved having you on the show today. I Yay. am so happy that you were able to come on our show. And I would love to hear any opportunities that our that our audience can find you on social media, websites, anything that you've got. Yes. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Taylor, T-A-Y-L-U-R dot Avery, A-V-E-R-Y. My website is up on my link. I do have programs. I do offer one-on-one coaching and you can find all that information. I have an Airbnb and real estate course that's available. I also have a nine to five entrepreneur program. If you're looking to launch your business and you're still working full time, you're not really quite sure how to accomplish that. I have a full course and it comes free with my coaching program. So if you would prefer to have some one-on-one time with me, you will be able to also still go through that course while we're spending one-on-one time together as well. And And that's it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Taylor, for being with us today. And to our audience, I hope that you all got something from this episode, learned something new, or just felt supported or empowered in ideas that you're having. And especially with people who are starting a business or who are, who have their own business or businesses while working a full-time job, you are not the only one. And there's a lot of us in that space. So <laughs> yes. keep doing you and, you know, the routine that you've got going on. And most importantly, keep taking care of yourself in that because you are not the only one who's doing that. And I think the solidarity and being able to connect with others and know that we're not the only ones in that space is huge in yes. you know, keeping our journey going and keeping our journey flourishing. So thanks so much, Taylor. We loved having thank you. you. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank <laughs> you all for that, tuning buddy. in. Congratulations for taking another step in your Thrive journey and empowering those around you. BIPOC Rising is happy to support you. And if you would like to find me, you can find me on my website, www.empoweredcommunity.com to explore ways that I can best support you and your goals. And don't forget, that's Empowered Community spelled with a Y-O-U in community. You can also take a look at the link in my podcast bio for my website. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.